There's some days that I wish I didn't have to eat. I wish I could just go outside and lay in the sun and photosynthesize food. Because um, I think I have a very utilitarian view when it comes to uh, eating and preparing food. Because I typically don't eat until I'm hungry. It's not like I don't enjoy eating, it's just I, it doesn't feel like a very luxurious thing for me. Uh, and that's the best I could do for a cold open, guys. I'm sorry, you tried making a cold open every time you do an episode and you tell me how easy it is. Hello friends and welcome to episode 10 of So Poetry. This is uh, recording number two for the day. I think that I've done that once before, but for the life of me, I don't remember which two episodes it was. Uh, so for the sake of argument, let's call this the first and a half time that I've done <laughs> two recordings in a day. Um, I don't know how long this one is going to be. Uh, I'm imagining it will probably be a little short. Um... February is a short, short month. Episode that I recorded with Kendra was kind of short. I'll make this one short too. You know, it's all, it's all, it's all short in February. Um, but as I alluded to in episode nine with Kendra that I recorded at around uh, eleven thirty this morning, um, AWP was like two, two or three weekends ago. I believe it was two or three weekends ago. But whenever the 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 tenth was. I don't even know what, uh, today's 26, whatever. Um, so that's the reason that these two episodes are coming relatively late in the month. Uh, the first, ooh, end of, end of January, beginning of February, I was working on the new book that Akinoga Press is publishing called In Place of This, which I will put a, a link to pre-order in the description. It will be coming out in probably a week or two. I'm still in the process of proofing it. Um, I've got one really solid pass through it, and I caught some things that definitely needed to be changed. And I'm going to give it one more, maybe one or two more goes. Just, you know, I've had things come up. Uh, uh, yeah, so end of January, beginning of February, I was in the process of laying out this book um, and getting the author, Diana Stetko, who is an amazing teacher and playwright and just person in general. If you ever, ever get a chance to meet her or have an extended conversation with her, you would be somehow deficient of uh, cognitive faculties to pass that up. She's she's an amazing person. She was one of the best teachers that I had in undergrad. Um, I I don't know. She's just the way the way that she sees things, and the way that she the articulation that she has in describing them, and the, the pinpointness that she has in describing the things that she sees and experiences. It's just it's it's barred on, and I'm. So I'm so thrilled that my next that the the upcoming book um, is a project that I got to work with her on. Um, so yeah, all all that being said, um, 
the the book will contain illuminations, um, more or less illustrations based a, based in the idea of illuminated texts. So there are images that that are incorporated kind of into the text or into the white space around the text of of the collection, which itself is a really neat collaborative. Exper no, experimental collaborative nonfiction. It's a kind of quilted together uh, menagerie of exchanges that between Diana and the other the other author uh, Shannon Miller um, spans emails, Facebook conversations, real and imagined conversations um, of Diana and Shannon interacting with each other. That have been kind of woven into a uh, somewhat somewhat disjointed in the sense that they don't directly. It's a conversation between two people that that they're not necessarily talking to each other the entirety of the conversation, which I'm sure a lot of people out there who are listening right now have had conversations like that with people where you just you're you know you're talking but you're having two or three conversations at once um but it's it's a really really cool manuscript the illuminations were were uh done by diana so that was that was a process of figuring out the best way to get the pages to her that she wanted to illuminate and then back to me so that i could put them into the manuscript and then send them off to get printed um yeah so all of all Part of that is to say this book is amazing, and I really hope that people check it out. Um, I'm using my, my position here in front of the microphone um, as both the host of Soul Poetry and the founding managing editor of Akinoga Press to kind of, you know, there's a little bit of a pulpit. Um, but I'm I'm really excited about this book, and I hope people pre-order it um, or just order it straight up, order it when it comes out. Um, so that's that part. Part of also of what I was just mentioning was to say that, uh, the first couple of weeks of February were just amazingly busy for me. Not only was I working to get the new book into a state where it could be shipped off and I, we could get the proofs back by the 8th, um, I also decided to, in kind of a last minute uh, flurry make a bunch of new books I had some backstock from things that Spencer printing sent me the last time that I that I made books and I decided to make the rest of them of what I had not knowing how much I would sell at AWP or not sell which I will get to in a second um, so all of that to say all of that is to say that the weeks leading like before AWP I did not have time to contact people um, I was in talks with uh, with Kendra but because she was also at AWP so things didn't really weren't super working out time wise for that um, and like I again alluded to in the earlier episode uh, coming back from AWP is always kind of an experience to get yourself back into the swing of things. Um, I feel like whenever you have these, I don't know, like long weekend kind of big event things, even if at the time it doesn't seem like it, it messes with your schedule or messes with your routine a whole lot, when you, it's like, it takes a little bit to kind of get back into the swing of things and to 
recuperate or rejuvenate or whatever it is that you do in response to a, a big convention-y thing like AWP. Um, so, that being said, for those of you listeners out there who don't know what AWP is, is a, I believe, U.S.-held thing. Um, although there were people, like programs and stuff, affiliated with things that are international, but I believe that it's a primarily uh, U.S. deal. Um, it is a convention or a conference, no, I guess conference, uh, for writers and writing programs. So MFA, publishers, whatever, you get a, you, ideally you get a booth, you have books to sell, and you sell books. Or, you know, you shop for new manuscripts, or if you're going as an attendee, you go to shop or sell yourself. Um, so there's a, let me back up a second. There's a there's a book fair aspect of it, which is as as a publisher or as a residency program or an MFA program, you want to have a presence at to entice people to to stop by and to look at things and to apply and to buy books. You know, it's it's really really good publicity. It's um, you make you make some really interesting connections. So that's half of it, and the other half are panels. They run the gamut from readings to um, like panel discussions to um, I don't know. I guess I guess maybe just those. Um, but the there's a range of topics. There's I mean, I don't I through recently recycled the um, the AWP weekend schedule thing, uh, but. I, uh, I'll put the, the link for AWP up in the description. Um, if anybody, I don't know if they still, if they have any of that information still up. Um, but it's worth checking out just to get a sense of, if they do, just get a sense of like what types of panels are there and what people are talking about and what people are presenting on. Um, but, oh, so this year, which was a, a huge, huge boon for me, um, I was able to actually sell at AWP. Akinoga Press had a presence there. Uh, I could have done guerrilla stuff and just brought a bunch of books in a backpack and just walked and talked to people and handed them out. But uh, because Diana is not only the co-author of the upcoming book that the press is publishing, she's also the head of the creative writing department, or no, head of the English department, and I believe the PhD program at the University of Louisiana, which is where my undergrad was, uh, she was kind enough to carve out a little bit of space on her table for me because she really enjoys uh, showcasing what former students are doing. So there's a guy who graduated from the PhD that started a press that had a, a big presence there. He, oh God, I don't know how long he's been doing his press, but he has a he had a ton of books. Um, I really need to catch up. Well, so part of me feels like I need to catch up. Um, with publishing more people, but I, I'm not opposed to the slow and steady pace that I have because I am really concerned about just working with the people that I want to work with and finding the projects that I'm really excited about. Um, not to say that Jay doesn't do that, um, but I don't know. I, th I, th I don't know. I think I might just be in general a, a more of a slow and steady, uh, 
progression type of a person anyway. But regardless of that, I didn't think, I thought it would be another th like three or four years before I would be able to have a presence at AWP. Uh, but thanks to Diana, I had one this year, and if things go well, I will probably have one next year in Tampa too, which is a, an amazing ex opportunity. Um, yeah, so I would like to just in general talk about, now that we're like 12 minutes into the episode, uh, just kind of in general talk about my experience with this AWP and some AWPs past... Um, and talk, extrapolate that out a little bit to talking about um, some experiences I had as not just an AWP goer, but as a book fair exhibitor, and like what it felt like to have for my press to have a presence there. Uh, there are also a number of people and a number of like presses and literary magazines that I would like to make a shout out to. Uh, if any of them are currently listening, or I guess maybe not, yeah whatever current to the time that you were listening currently listening whatever uh i have apologized that i have not followed up yet um i will do so either tonight or tomorrow um but i'm i very much enjoyed talking to all of you uh specifically the people that i will be singling out as the shout outs um and just the people whose cards I didn't get, who I don't remember, I either don't remember your names or I didn't get your names. Uh, there are two people that stopped by my press that were potentially in looking to shop around publishing projects. I, I don't know, if the off chance that you're listening, I'm still super, super interested in what we talked about. Um, but, yeah, so I'll get into it. Um, like I said, AWP is a huge, huge conference. It's an annual thing. Uh, it moves around from city to city. Uh, the only reason I was really at this year's AWP was because it was in D.C. and it was a relatively easy slash short train ride to get down there. Um, I do not envy people who had to travel long distances to get there. Uh, I will be one of them next year if, if things pan out and I'm able to go. Um, but... I realized earlier today as I was making myself lunch about, oh, I don't know, four hours ago when I was thinking of recording this podcast, essentially right after I got done recording with Kendra, um, I realized that AWP, that I experience AWP the same way that I experience the Strand bookstore in New York. And for those of listeners who have never been to the Strand, um, imagine... I don't know, like a Barnes and Noble type of a store, um, or any sort of large corporate bookstore, but times like two and a half as far as the size and scope of the store, and maybe times, oh, I don't know, like ten or fifteen <laughs> in the scope of how many people are currently in the store, or in a, in the store at one time. Um, so the Strand is massive, it's like three or four floors, but because it's right off of Broadway, kind of in the heart of New York, it is always, always packed. At least the times that I've been there. I don't know if there's, a, if there's an off time for it, but all the times that I've been there, it has been obscenely, obscenely busy. 
And I always go to the Strand, or whenever I go to New York, I always think, it's like, oh, the Strand, I, I, I want to stop there. Because I love bookstores, I love books, I love being around books, I love being around people who love being around books. And so I always, I have, I guess, like a short-term memory problem when it comes to the Strand, because I'm always so excited to go there. And then when I go there, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I remember the Strand. And I, I feel like, AWP often, or the times that I've been there, kind of has that feeling for me that I'm I'm all excited about it, and I'm I you know it's it's a conference for writers, and writers are my people. I I I love being around literary minded, mindful people, and um, man, whenever I get to AWP, there's always that sense of like, oh yeah, now I remember. Uh, because it's big, and there's a lot of people mailing about, and it can be very, very overwhelming and overstimulating if you, even if you're prepared for it, it can just hit you of like, oh my god, there's so many things. And then you get the kind of dueling, oh, I'm, I'm proud that I hit all these things, and I talked to the amount of people that I talked to, but there's all these other things that I could have seen, and all these other people that I could have talked to, and it's like, <laughs> That, that I feel like you kind of bounce, very hyperactively bounce between those two states. At least I, I feel like I do. Um, so for this AWP, I did something that I've never done, which is this time around, I did not hit any panels at all. I did not go to a single panel. I stayed uh, in the book fair the entire time, uh, all three days, uh, primarily at my table, um, the main reason being that I don't, I didn't have another person to to body or to man my my sliver of table. So if I wasn't there, nobody else could talk about the books and nobody could sell any of the books. Slash nobody could buy. No nobody who came up to the table could buy anything. Uh, so I felt like it was a kind of major responsibility of of mine to be present and to be around and to talk to people. Um, although that being said, not a whole lot of people showed up or the people who did were much more interested in the PhD program, uh, which is great. And they should be interested in the PhD program, but it gave me kind of a long leash to wander around the book fair, um, because there'd be, you know, stretches of like an hour or two that nobody showed up. So I'd, I would just, there'd be other people that were at the table and I'm just like, I'm... I'm going to go for a little bit. And I'm glad that I had those walkabouts. Sorry, throat was getting a little dry. Um, I'm glad that I had those walkabouts because I ended up meeting some really, really cool people and interacting with just some awesome presses and seeing amazing books. Um, State University of New York Press. I'm still waiting on that Basho book. Somebody, there was a, a new translation of a bunch of Basho haiku that I saw like the second to last day, right at the end of the day, and somebody had it on reserve, and I'm cursing them because I had to buy it outright from them, which is cool. I just, I'm still waiting, <laughs> still waiting on it. Um, but it's not like I'm just going to read it anytime soon because I bought a, a shit ton of books. Um, I got a couple for free, which. At, towards the end of AWP, there is a very peculiar sense of bookseller desperation 
uh, specifically for the people who flew very long distances to a to a to be at AWP, um, that don't want to take their books back with them. So they either uh, drastically reduce prices, or as for uh, the I believe the Otis School of Art and Design did, just gave them away for free, um, which you know is really good publicity because I will remember them and the fact that I got three books from them without having to pay anything. Um, and there are definitely some books that I wanted to get that they didn't have anymore because they were freed out. And I I will buy them from them. But anyway, um, so I, at past AWPs, uh, one of the, I don't know, most stressful things for me is picking which panels I want to see because they each one is, I don't know, like, hour 45 minutes ish long and so there's broken up i think there's like five or six sessions a day um and inevitably there will be you know like three or four panels that you want to see all of the panels that you want to see are happening at the same time on the same day and then for the rest of it you know there's maybe one you want to see in the morning one you want to see in the afternoon and then that's it at least in my experience um but I don't know if this is just a personal experience of mine. Uh, I have yet to talk to my friends who were at AWP with me or who have been to ones, uh, a number of them, if they feel the same way. But I'm usually disappointed in, in the panels that I go to. Um, I don't know if I've ever been to one that really knocked me out of the park. I think readings have a better chance of really doing that. Because um, most of the panels that, I, that I've that i encountered, it, I don't know, there's there's either an energy issue or the information's not being disseminated in a, in a super effective way, or I leave the panel knowing as much or less than I did when I went into it. Um... So that was part of the the reason why this year I decided to not hit any of them, just to see... Because I, I usually get more out of the the book fair. Um, that I, I just have I have a better experience. I'm actually able to interact and connect with people. In, interact. Interact and connect with people. Uh, because when I'm in a big group, when I'm hearing people talk, I take on... Well, usually when I'm in a large group, I take on an observer role, not a participant role. It's only when you milk, you disseminate a group down to like two or three people that I feel like I have a, I can play an active role in the participation of the conversation. Other than other than that, I just kind of hang back and listen and watch. And if you are trying to network or trying to meet people, having that as a sort of baseline. Uh, inherent interact or inherent reaction or baseline tendency is not really the most conducive to that. Uh, so that's why at the book fair it was easier for me to interact with people because there's usually like three people at the most at a table, and I can ha three people I can handle, and especially if there's a, a book or something that caught my eye and I could I had maybe not a script but I I had. A, a, a 
solid or a foundation of things that I could say, and it's not just breaking the ice, which I am uh, impromptu and extemporaneous ice breaking is something that I am absolutely terrible at. If you want to break the ice and talk to me first, great. I will talk to you forever, but I I can't I can't do it first. I don't know why. I don't know if it's a skill thing that I've just never developed. I mean, it probably is a skill thing I've never developed, but I don't know if it's... Whatever. It's, just, it's something that's very difficult for me to do. But if I have a reason to talk to people, um, then then I can do it. Also, I apologize for the pausing. Uh, in Well, one, for the pausing. Two, for the ums. The ums have nothing to do with this. The pausing does. I, uh, my roommate's cat keeps <laughs> coming into my room, and then she will leave, and I will shut my door, and then she will come back in. Uh, so I don't know if she just doesn't want the door to be shut, or what, but, anyway, where was I? Um, I honestly don't remember what I was talking about. <sighs> well, whatever. Um, oh, yeah, groups of scripts. Uh, yeah, so, typically, if I went to a press, or I stopped by a table... The easiest thing for me is if there was a book or something that caught my eye and I could start talking or a reason. Like I was, uh, I had a sight line uh, for the back of Wave books. They were like like an aisle up and maybe two tables over. And all weekend I was just looking to the back of the books. And I didn't know who they were or what the press was. So at one of my walkabouts I decided to uh, stop by and just see what they were. Uh, so I did, turned out to be wave books, and I was like, oh, shit, I have some books by you guys, and that was, that was my way in, just the whole sort of, kind of like, oh, hey, I've been looking at the back, back of your guys' books all weekend, and just wanted to stop by and say, hey, and that, that was it, that was the way in, so I don't know, maybe, maybe icebreaking is getting easier for me, or maybe I just need to make sure I, I always have a, an in to start a conversation, um, but, yeah, so, Staying in the book fair was was a really cool experience for me. I spent the good majority of time talking to Diana, at least for the first two days, and that was that was amazing. Uh, we before collaborating, well, before I began to publish her book or began the process of publishing her book, we had a very eh, spotty. Um, interaction with each other not because of anything like any ill blood or anything it's just you know like life happens we're a couple thousand miles away from each other um and actually it was i think i don't remember how many years ago it was but um it was definitely when i was at it was in the mfa program so it was sometime after i moved to baltimore in 2011 um that I reached out to her and a teacher that I had in high school and essentially expressed to them, which is true for both of them, that um, that I was really indebted to their instruction and to having them as teachers, that they, they gave me... Well, my teacher in high school gave me a lot of space... Um, to let whatever kind of weird creativity was developing in me happen. Um, and Diana 
was one of the first teachers to really one of the first like English or or creative writing teachers that I had to really treat me as um I don't know, maybe not an equal but like a colleague that I, and I don't I don't know if it was just that's the nature of how of how Diana treats her students I, I neglected to I didn't think to ask her about this but it felt like yes she was the teacher and I was the student but there was a, a level of um I don't know maybe mutual respect that and it took it took a couple of years for me to to register that that was there because for the first year or two it, it didn't seem not that she didn't like me just that I you know she didn't really think of me of anything as anything um but then, so I, we developed kind of like a good rapport with each other. And then I, <laughs> I passed out in one of her classes. Um, and that kind of strengthened the rapport, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, like I left, left you well, um, kind of fell out of touch with Anne. And then a couple of years ago, I met, reached out to her just like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm super appreciative of you know, the time that you that you took to teach me the things that you taught me the fact that you could see things in me that i couldn't see at the time that there was something worth nurturing and to help that whatever was there to be nurtured and that kind of reestablished our connection with each other and we've been kind of in and out of touch for a couple of years and then this past i guess like winter and then into the spring when um when she said that she had a book that she was looking to get published and it was weird and she didn't know who to do it. And I was like, I, me, I want to do this. So that's kind of how things got rekindled. But anyway, we hadn't had a good in-person, in-person conversation with each other in a long time. And having, uh, two days of almost uninterrupted, uh, hangout time with her was amazing. That, I think that that was probably one of the best aspects of any AWP that I've, that I've had uh, one of my you know the best experiences at least in the top three very high in the list of the top three um, I did meet and talk to uh, Jane Hirschfield at one of the AWPs that I went to and that was that was a pretty pretty stellar moment for me um, but yeah so that was that was great um, sorry my the cat is on the table that I'm currently recording on Um, yeah, so I also got a chance to talk to a bunch of, uh, PhD students who are, you know, currently at UL for their PhD program. And, um, that really started nudging me. So I've, I've often thought about going back to school, um, just because most of the, my attempts to break into the, the academic world have not not really panned out. I mean, not academic or professional world have not really panned out. So, you know, there's always school. Plus, teaching recently has become an option for me, uh, has opened up as an option for me that I hadn't really thought of before. So, PhD, tenure, teaching, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, at least ostensibly, uh, like, straight shot of a track to get there. Um, but hanging around with all the PhD students really started nudging me much more into back into the arms of academia. Um, 
So I'm not quite there yet, but I'm definitely leaning that way. Uh, I actually took the first steps and got my transcripts from UB and UL. Um, and I have researched a couple of schools that have seemed like they have really good PhD pro programs. So who knows, in another year or two, I might be somewhere other than Baltimore. But I don't know. Um, so those, as far as just like personal things, those that was awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I think Diana expressed this, I think kind of like half jokingly, but I definitely think that she th feels... Uh, was only half joking when she expressed that um, when people interact with her, they get uh, like sharper and more clever. That there's some there's like you 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 have to step up your game when you talk to Diana, and that you don't consciously do it. You just kind of you you she creates this space that you kind of rise into. Um, and so with that and the fact that I've been watching Elementary um, for the past couple of weeks. Um, I feel like I'm kind of getting back into that space, which I, I feel is good that if, if I were to go back to into the academic world, um, I would definitely need to start flexing or working out those muscles again. So all of this personal stuff, that was great. Um, I had some, um, I had two women stop by the table and express interest in Akinoga Press potentially publishing uh, upcoming works of theirs, which I, for both of them, I'm very, very excited about. Uh, there was another editor that I met that also had a book that her and her, the co-author are in the process of thinking about shopping around to people. Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, so as like, on like a professional level, um, that was really amazing. And then this is the first AWP that I went to that I felt like I could interact with other presses as an equal. Um, that you not only not only do I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like with when I was in the MFA program and I finally felt like I could I could deal with my teachers as as not like as teachers sure and as people who've been doing it a lot longer than me to have that have a certain level of experience and authority that just comes with um, you know, comes with the longevity of, of a practice. I definitely saw other presses that have been in the press game for years, in years and years and years, and they're, they're people or, or uh, organizations to aspire to. But, you know, I'm, I'm not coming to them as a consumer, as solely as a consumer or appreciator of their of their work. I'm coming to them as a someone who's standing in the same place that they are standing. Uh, and it felt really, really good to be able to say, oh, hey, I have I have some books. I have a booth. You know, you should stop by. If you get a chance, you should stop by. I would love to you for you to look at some of my things. And to have some of the people that I met that made beautiful books come by and tell me that my books were beautiful was that sort of like mutual acknowledgement, um, which I also experienced with on a personal level with Diana. That like I I think she's an amazing person, um, and she and I I don't. This is probably going to come off as a humble humble brag, but I I feel more humble about it than I do bragging. But she reciprocated those feelings that she like at least for the, at the very least enjoyed my company and talking with me. Um, so there's something I feel like there's something to be said about that that mutual. 
acknowledgement, mutual admiration, mutual respect that you that you can arrive at. That just it's it's a really it's like steady. It's both steadying and warm and a very like grounding feeling, but it also um, is like inspiring and is like a, a fire being lit and something is a, a more of a proportional propulsion, not proportion. Nah. It's it propels you. There we go. It's yeah. So um, I really, as a press, really need to find a letterpress, like an actual letterpress thing because I saw so many amazing books and I guess this will be the beginning of my shout out um, Ed at Swamp Press you make unbelievable oh no my cards uh, I was going to do this in order of how like a loose order of when I met them but fuck it I'm just going to I'm just going to start um, Ed you make unbelievably creative and imaginative and beautiful books um I appreciate your your appreciation of the white space and the blank space blank space around words and around poems and especially haiku. Um, one haiku to a page, people. Regardless of how big the page is, just stick one haiku on there and give people enough time to breathe and to appreciate what you're reading. Um, I would like to uh, shout out to Draft Journal of Process. Uh, they were really really cool when I talked with them. I thought that I had a question about their press or about their literary magazine, but it turns out I understand exactly what they're doing. I'm super excited about it. Um, I plan on uh, submitting to y'all at some point, and I, I will. All the people that I'm shouting out, I will have um, links for in the in the description of the episode. Um, Rebecca Olander at oh, Perugia, Perugia. I hope that I'm pronouncing that that correctly. It's P E R U G I A. Uh, press. Thank you for talking for, to me for as long as you did. Um, thank you for stopping by and buying books um, and introducing me to your co-author. Um, I'm working through Two Minutes of Light right now. I'm in, I'm enjoying it a whole lot. Hers, her press had, had a book that I, I was walking by and the color of it and the, the composition of the cover caught my eye and made me stop. Um, so that was that was really really cool. Um, Mary Crockett Hill, editor of the Roanoke Review, thank you for stopping by and for encouraging me to submit to your journal. Uh, you will have some some submissions coming your way. Um, ooh, Zephyr Press guys, these these people do amazingly, just gorgeously designed and amazing translations. Uh, gorgeously designed and amazing translations of some really, really amazing poets. Um, they have a collection of Bay Dow's uh, essays, I believe, called The Blue House or Blue House. Um, so that, te that tells you the caliber of like who, who they're working with. Um, they're just, it's, and I think they said that there's one person that designs most of their books and the range of, of that designer's skill and artistry is just, it's beyond me. It's absolutely amazing. Um, the editors, 
of Hummingbird Magazine and Press, CX and Drew Dillhunt. I probably, uh, next to Diana, I feel like y'all were probably the best conversations that I had at AWP. Um, the first book, or I guess the second book that, that made me stop um, in my tracks and look at and pick up and fondle um, was, um, I believe it was After a Time, um, After or Something. I don't remember who it was. I'll, I'll have this in, in the description too, but it was published by Hummingbird Press, uh, I think before CX and Drew took over, but it was just, and as actually published, or uh, letterpressed by Ed, so it was a neat little connection, uh, Ed from Swamp Press. But like I, I loved talking with both of y'all. Uh, CX, thank you for stopping by and picking up a copy of Go to the Ant, O Sluggard. I hope that you enjoy the fibs. Because uh, it turns out CX writes them too. Um, I I don't know I don't know if it's a regular practice of his, but it is definitely a a very um, well developed practice that he has. Uh, so I I appreciate your conversations. Um, I'm looking forward to submitting to y'all. Um, I don't think that there's another literary magazine out there that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like gets gets small poems. They do exclusively small poems, and I I love it. Their magazine I think is like three by four, um, and like you you guys get it. And I I love that there is a home for for small poems because I feel like small poems are usually overlooked or maligned, um, but they're so they're so difficult to to write, and they tend to pack so much into them, and there's so much paradoxically so much space to be held in, in tiny tiny works of literature uh, or tiny works of poetry so thank you guys that's i'm i'm super super excited to continuing to follow the magazine and to actually submit and hopefully have some of my work show up in the magazine um tyler ooh, let me see if i can get this last name right tyler krumreen krumreen c-r-u-m R-I-N-E. Uh, founding editor of Plays and Verse. I'm re I've I started reading one of one of the plays that you or one of the yeah, one I guess one of the plays that you suggested that I buy um, when I was asking for suggestions, and it's 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 pretty awesome. Um, I've been thinking about I also talking with Anna kind of put spurred uh, stoked the fire of some what I plays that I've been thinking of writing. Um, I don't know if they would work for Inverse, but I'm glad that there is a press out there that is publishing plays and scripts because I that's something that usually doesn't on a unless you're you know like a playwright, big name quote unquote playwright. I feel like your plays really don't get published like as the script of it. Um, and I'm really I'm glad that they're they're pushing the boundaries for what you know what playwriting and theater is on the page. So that's, that's awesome. Um, Moss Turpin, managing editor for Epiphany Magazine. Thank you for stopping by. I'm sorry that we didn't have longer to talk. Um, he stopped by like in the last like 10 minutes of the book fair on Saturday. Um, but I, I appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate the, the, like the, despite the brevity, I appreciate the, the talk that we had. Um, I'm definitely going to be looking at your stuff much more closely. Um, I didn't, I don't, 
remember the name of the person from the CSU Poetry Center that stopped by and bought a book for me, but thank you so much for stopping by. Um, I don't, I don't remember if y'all had a corresponding literary magazine, um, but I just, any, any poetry center or any center out there that focuses on like poetry, I'd like, I, I appreciate regardless of whatever else you do, just the fact of the work that you have of, um, you know, being a, a hub for people to come experience poetry, maybe for the first time, maybe for the umpteenth time, umpteenth time. Um, I love it. I love that, that there are things out there, and I love that you you put in the time and do the work. So thank you for that. Uh, Brianna Schofield and Erica Wilson from the Authors Alliance. I'm glad that I decided to stop by and give you all a talk. Um, I hope that the, the promotional photos turned out okay. Um and I'm so thankful for organizations like yours that are, um, you know, standing up for the rights of writers and the, for the dissemination of things that we should know. Um, and, you know, pairing with the groups that you pair with for the protection of free speech. Because especially, especially now, we need it. We need the protection. We need people looking out for our rights um so i'm deeply i have a deep sense of gratitude that i feel towards y'all so th thank you very much for that um i guess two two more things and this is more of a from the uh standpoint of one is more from the standpoint of my press and the other is kind of from like a professional standpoint of the both of the press and just as me personally as a professional uh the first one being um so after after art market and i think that i may have talked about this i definitely think i talked about this in, in one of my podcasts um i don't remember what the name of which one or what what number it was but um after art market i had the beginnings of a kind of change of definition of how I viewed the success of Akinoga Press. Because I, I did the book fair and I did art market with the intent of selling books. You know, it's like I, I want to get my books into the hands of people. But, you know, I, I think I was I was definitely more focused on the, the sales or the profit um, aspect of it. But at... At Art Market, I got the first kind of big, profound taste of, oh, the success of the press is to get the books into the hand, to get my books, both the ones that I wrote and the ones that I've just published, into the hands of people who will deeply appreciate them. And there's not, there's not a whole lot I can do on that front other than just being around in instances like that and having giving people the option to stop by because you know somebody might not know that they desperately need or want one of my books and if i'm there they might have that realization of oh i need this right now um you know if i'm not there they'll never know um so at gearing up for awp the, one of the reasons that i i made i finished the the last run of books that I had at my disposal to make was that I uh, was thinking that I was going to have some major major sales 
because all the AWPs that I've been to, it seems like most presses and most people do pretty well. You know, they, they'll sell a lot, they'll interact with a lot of people. And I didn't want to go into it um, with a lack of with a lack of stock. Um, I thought it would have been great to sell out, but I didn't want that to happen in like the first day and to not have any more books and just, you know, like not be able to um, meet people where they were. Because I feel like with AWP, it's like you go there in part to buy books that you might not be able to get other places or that you buy in that moment that if you had to uh, just wait to get you know, it's like, oh, well, there might be something else that I, I want more now. So, that being said, I did not sell nearly as many books as I have the last two uh, opportunities that, that I've had to sell things at. I don't know if that made grammatical sense, but hopefully you'll get the gist of what I meant. Um, I only sold 14 books. Uh, most of which were to people that I already knew. Only a handful were from the people from people that either just came up to the table as like a cold thing, uh, like a cold meat, or people that I bumped into at other tables that came by and, and got a book. Um, which for me is like that's. At first, it felt like that's a kind of paltry number, but like I, I sold fourteen fucking books at AWP. That to me feels like it's a it's a big it's a big thing, and the fact that people from other presses stop by and again kind of that mutual respect mutual acknowledgement that they saw something in my books that they that connected or spoke to them like that's wonderful and i'm so i'm so thankful and have you know, just gratitude for the people that that came by and, and bought things um and i i think that the i'm more, i'm leaning more and more into the the shift that was established at art market that like I would love to make money with this press like if if I could if the press could be the way that I made a living that would be phenomenal because I could do what I love doing and you know make not have to do anything else to support myself but that being said even if I don't make a lick of money from these books I'm still going to do it there's just, there's no question for me that, like, I'm always going to publish books. That's just, it's like writing and kind of like what I talked about with Kendra that with my poetry and my, my music and the other, the other aspects and the, um, the other expressions of my art of which I feel like book publishing is, can be numbered. I can't not do it. It's just, I, it's, I don't know if it's a, I don't know, I don't think I would necessarily call it a compulsion, but it's just, it's something that, it feels almost involuntary now, it's like, I just, it's like, I just, I have to, it's like eating, it's, well, maybe not eating, although that would be a good, a good uh, way to bridge the cold open into some actual theme of the, the podcast, or the episode at large, but, um, you know, it's like, I can't not eat. There's no, um, yeah, I guess it's, you know, like, at times I enjoy the eating, or enjoy the things that I eat, and at times I enjoy writing. Um, 
I feel like, in yeah, I guess with music and stuff, with all of my art, there are times that I enjoy it. But most of the time, when I'm in when I'm in the midst of the art, it's not so much. I very I very rarely think, am I enjoying this? Or I very rarely feel the the emotion of like I'm enjoying this. It's just it's like, I'm doing it because if I don't do it, I I won't survive. Like eating, it's like I, it's a function of my body. And I don't, I don't know if, I mean, it's not really a very romantic way to look at, look at my artistic or look at my creativity. Um, but it feels like it's a much, I don't know, at least for me, it's a much more natural and kind of holistic way to view it that like, if I don't do this, some part of me will die. So I can't, but I, it's not something that I can stop. I mean, I can sometimes choose to ignore it. Like I sometimes choose to ignore hunger, but at the at the ultimately if i don't eat i die and i feel the same way like creatively emotionally spiritually whatever with my art that if if i don't do it i will some part of me will will cease and i don't want that to happen um so in that respect the press really is like a passion project for me um or maybe like it's a you know functional <laughs> body function project for me i don't know um that i don't like my my market model for right now is as long as i make enough to cover the the production cost of the books i'm happy anything above that is gravy for me that's you know it's great um but i really i'm i'm going to to work to solidify the view that the the way to measure the success of, of my press or the success of a book is to put it into the hands of, of someone who appreciates it, who, who needs it, who, you know, cause like I've, I've encountered books, songs, poem, you know, like whatever, any, any type of art I've encountered sometimes when I've needed it. It's like, it, it shows up at the exact point in time in my life. And that's, you know, I might, most of the time I will go back to it, but after that, like that initial time is just, there's some, some sort of something, some sort of coalescence or, um, or copacetic-ness that it meets you when you need it. Um, and I actually, I think The Empty Space by Peter Brook, ha, I remembered his name because I'm looking at the book right now, I th- was probably one of those things that's going to help me out um, with, with theater or just with opening up some some new aspect or new new room of my creativity um but i really i want that to be my model of success it's it's not about money it's not about the sales it's not about the profit and it's not about any sort of a capitalistic endeavor um it's about sharing the work and sharing the books and sharing these ideas and sharing the art that I've discovered that I think is worth other people knowing about and other people experiencing. Um, so I'm I'm never going to stop making books. I doubt I will ever make a living through Akinoga Press, but I don't I don't give a shit about that. I honestly don't. I, that's not that's not why I'm doing this, and that's not a that's not an important thing to me. Um, and I I would I want that intention and want that that to be the truth of my press. Um, if there's ever a time that it's not the truth, then I will, I will probably have to reevaluate some things. But 
at least for the foreseeable future, that's where I want to situate myself. That, um, you know, to have the opportunity to talk to people who I could possibly or potentially create like the physical incarnation of their words. Like that's that in and of itself is an amazing experience and something that I'm I'm absolutely indebted to Diana for that I that I have that I I talked to like three three people I have potentially three new projects I don't know if any of them will pan out but just the fact that the the potential or the hope that even even for the writers that there's somebody out there that would want to publish their work or that would want to work with them to create a that would want to create space and to create a home for their art um I hope that that's uplifting and encouraging for them. Um, I mean, it's definitely encouraging for me as a as a publisher that there are people out there one that you know, like I would want to work with, and two, it's like I'm I'm excited about these things. That there's never a shortage of, of things out there to be excited about and to be um, to be passionate about, and to be an advocate for, and to fight for. Um, yeah, so that's I'm. I'm not entirely sure what that will mean for the press. I don't know if it will really mean anything um, on on the outside or on the surf or on the like the 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 veneer of the press. Um, I don't know if it really will change a whole lot of the internal workings of the press either. But it's like that's that's where I'm I'm going to just I I'm I, that's I will keep at the center and the fulcrum the just the desire to share the work because you know it's one it's a handbound chat books two it's primarily poetry so like no one no one's making money off a of shit like that i i will be the first to admit that handbound collections of poetry will not make the big bucks ever especially if they're letterpress that's just you know there's so much time and so much consideration and so much effort that goes into these things that you'd have to clock each book in at like a couple of hundred dollars to even begin to make back at like letterpress specifically to even like begin to make back the to like the compensation for the amount of time and energy and effort that went into these things but it's been my experience that most of the people who make letterpress books like completely letterpress books they don't care about that they're doing it for I would imagine for a lot of the same reasons that I am that it's like they just they want to make these books, and they they want them to. They want to have a hand in the, the crafting the the physical vessel of these things, to put them out into the world and to share them with other people. Um, which I think is great, and I I love that about small presses and about you know like single person operation, um, endeavors. It's like that's you know keep keep fighting, keep working for that. That's that's great. Um. And the other, like, professional, both as a press and as a personal thing, um, is that I'm, I have long since concluded that I am crap at networking. Um, so I, I try to be my, like, authentic and sincere self in whatever situation that I'm in. Um, there are certain, I don't know maybe more or less than limiting factors or there's certain like a degree of variation of, of how much of myself I express in a given situation. 
Um, but I try that even if it's like a small degree of myself, I'm still, I still work and strive towards that. It's me, you know, it's not, I'm not putting on any errors or any affectations or anything. It's like you're, even if you're dealing with a small degree of me, you're still dealing with me. Um, so the idea of, or the concept of networking for networking's sake has always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, because for me, for just personally, it feels very, very insincere and I I don't like, thinking about and, and viewing and uh, treating interactions with people as a sort of commodity that can be exchanged or like favors to be traded. Um, I also am terrible at selling myself, um, like PR and all that stuff. I just, I get it. I, th- I think I understand how to do it, but there's just a complete and total uh, lack of desire to do it or to want to learn how to do it more effectively. Um, but so in the ideas of like networking events where you go essentially to just meet other people for the sake of meeting them, to have them, you know, to have their business card in your pocket so you can call on them at some point, just really like, I don't, I don't like interacting with people like that. I'm much, I would much prefer to interact with people on just, you know, a sincere conversational level. Because that's that's how I interact with people. It's usually one-on-one, usually on like a pretty deep emotional basis. And that level of uh, intimacy, vulnerability, openness, I don't know. feels like there's very, uh, not a whole lot of space for that in sort of the more corporate professional definition of, of networking. And at AWP this year, I wanted to more or less. So there's, I feel stuck kind of between my, my lack of desire to do that type of networking and then the acknowledgement that that type of networking usually leads to opportunities, which seems like and opportunities usually lead the way to like a job or to, you know, just like something, something new or something interesting. And because I typically don't, you know, I'm becoming more and more of a homebody, um, and don't have those types of interactions and don't interact in that way, I feel like I'm potentially missing out on stuff. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just kind of the way that I, that I, that I feel. So this year at AWP, I felt conflicted because I very much wanted to talk to people and maybe open up a space for like a possibility of something, but I didn't, I don't, didn't want to interact in a way that felt insincere and authentic to me. Um, and at first, I was really kind of like concerned about that, but then I think when I got to the book fair and made my decision to just be at the book fair and to just, you know, like that was that was going to be the extent of my AWP experience. Um, when I went wandering around to look at books, I really kind of th- forgot about networking, in in the way of the kind of I don't know, it feels like a, the real shallow sort of like hand slapping. Um, like super pleasantry type of type of way, and I, I kind of more or less just interacted with people the way that I would interact with people. Um, sometimes you know, like there were books that I stopped by and looked at, and sometimes it was just kind of a 
you know, brief head nod or like a, hey, how are you sort of a thing, passing by tables. And then other times there were conversations that I had that lasted like 20 minutes, just hanging out in front of somebody's table, talking to them about kind of just whatever. And I had, I had a handful of those. And in my mind, that wasn't networking. That was just like interacting and conversing with people. Um, and I think, I feel like with interacting, with networking, there's that idea that's like you are selling yourself or that you yourself are somehow have turned into a commodity or a business that can be traded that has some sort of, I don't know, either intrinsic or value, some sort of value that is either inherent or that is put on from the outside. Um, which really makes me feel grimy. Um, thinking about myself that way or think you just think about conversations like that it's like you're exchanging goods i don't i i really dislike that and i've i've never liked um debating with people like talking with someone with an explicit point to try to change their mind i'd much rather just like talk to people and just f like have a free exchange of ideas with the only the only motive of that is just to gain a better understanding of the person or a better understanding of yourself just like to to gain understanding in in some capacity and the conversations and the people that I that I interacted with at AWP by and large felt like that they just felt like conversations like I wasn't I wasn't you know shooting myself I was not shooting myself up I wasn't trying to uh, really build myself up in their eyes um I was trying to make, you know, like, be interested in the things that they were, that they seemed to, to be doing. And, you know, not not to be interested or to seem interested in the things that they were doing, but to actually, you know, more often than not, the people I talked to, I was interested in the things that they were doing, which is part of the reason why I stayed and talked with them for as long as I did. Um, but, you know, again, because of the, the kind of equality that I felt with the presses that I'm, you know, I wasn't there as just like a, oh, okay, cool, I'm going to buy your book. It you know, I could say, oh, hey, well, I have some books for sale, you know, with, I don't know, somewhat implied for certain conversations. Like, you know, we seem to do similar things. So why don't you come by and just, like, you know, check out what I have. Not, and I feel like when I, when I said those things, I don't know if this is true or not, but usually the thought was that they didn't cross my mind of like, oh, yeah, come buy this stuff. It was really mostly just like, I, I would love for you to just come check out my books because, you know, I'm curious. I'm to what other presses or what other editors or designers thought of the work that I did. Because, again, I'm not in a whole lot of good, open communication and connection with a lot of presses, so I don't have a whole lot of, like, professional feedback in that sense. So I'm, I'm, I wanted to know. Um, but earlier last week on Monday, I was eating dinner with uh, some dear friends of mine, two of which were at AWP. Uh, the other two just know me very well, and they they surprised me with a a really amazing compliment um, that I apparently network very very well, and I like laughed kind of incredulously at them when they said this, and I was like, "I what are you talking about? Like what? No, I don't. I I'm crap at networking." And all the things that I just mentioned, that like, the fact that I would talk to people, just earnestly talk with them, and apparently would ask them like what they were doing, or ask them questions about themselves, and not try to sell myself. Um, you know, like that's 
that's networking or maybe that's the the ideal type of networking where you're not like you're building up a friendship um, and you're not going into it with the idea of like oh this person can do something for me or it's like oh I might be able to get a job there or I might be able to do something with them it's just sort of like oh these guys are cool I want to talk to them or you know it's like I just they seem like they're neat people let's just let's see what happens um, you know for no really I guess no ulterior motive other than just to again to just like gain some understanding and maybe share some understanding or whatever um and when after they told me that and they explained the reasoning to me it felt like there was this this weight that was lifted from somewhere inside of me that that I don't have to I don't have to network the way that I hated networking that I could because it, it felt like that was antithetical to, to who I am at my core. Um, so it them saying what they did feels felt like it gave me the, the permission or the kind of vindication. It's like, I can be myself in those situations, and that works. Or it's like, maybe that's what like the ideal way to do this is. And that was just super just like I'm wonderful for them to say and I'm I'm very much appreciative of that so uh Anthony and Marie Sarah and Morgan thank you so much um I I don't know I feel like I have permission now that it's like I don't I don't need to do I don't need to be the way that everyone else is or that everyone else says that you have to be because fuck that you know it's like you do what you need to do yourself like do your own thing and i I would like to think that more often than not it works out or it, at least it will work out for you in the way that it, that it needs to happen. Um, because it's true. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, she, I'm not chasing down a life that like white collar corporate America has. Like, I don't really want any of that. I just, I want enough money that I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. I, I would like to have enough money that I don't have to worry about money. But aside from that, you know, I'm shrugging pretty tallly right now. Um, yeah, I, yeah. It's like as long as I have enough money that I don't have to worry about money and enough time to do the things that I want to do, I feel like I'm good. And at least for right now, it's like I'm kind of in that position. Um, so, but yeah, so that was, I don't know, just things to think about. If you're a writer, I would suggest... Um, or an editor or publisher or whatever, I would suggest to hit AWP at least once just to just to get a sense of what it is. Um, probably, despite yourself, you will come away with at least one or two really really keen and awesome interactions with people, or just keen like really great experiences. Um, for me, one of the highlights is always like uh, Anthony and Emery were actually at AWP, and they typically the time the last. All, all three times that I've gone, um, one of them has gotten a hotel room, and I've spent the night at least once, um, like, in their hotel room. And that's, you know, the hallmark. After a long day at AWP, you go back to the hotel room and then just, like, shoot the shit for, like, three hours. And you definitely get to a point where everyone is ex exhausted and everything is hysterical and i i love that that is one of my favorite things about awp is hanging out with my friends in comfy pajamas in a hotel room in a really interesting city 
and everything is just a laugh riot. Um, so Anthony and Emery, thank you again for that. Um, this is like probably I think like the fourth or fifth hotel room that we've shared, and every single time it it we reach that that giddy kind of uh, hysterical moment, and I'm glad that I can share so many of those moments with y'all. Um, so this is about I don't know it's a little longer than I wanted it to be, uh, but I don't think I have anything else to say. So oh. Um, let me make sure I get the name correct. Uh, ooh, um, do, 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 for the the people of the group of women who are will be uh, on my next will be my next guests. Um, Totally misspelled mason jar. For those of you out there, mason jar does not have mason does not have a J in it, no matter what anybody else says. Um, yes. So view chat books. Do they have it up? Please let them have. It. Yes. Ah, oh, I was close. Okay. So the next, my next guests uh, will be uh, the Black Ladies Brunch Collective. Um, who will be uh, releasing a book, a uh, I guess sort of like a collective, uh, collaborative collection of poetry called Not Without Our Laughter, Poems of Humor, Joy, and Sexuality. It will be coming out in April. I will be talking to them on March 25th. It's market calendars. Uh, the episode will either go up that day or the day after. Um, yeah, it should be it should be a great time. Uh, my panel my panel episodes usually go really well and are very interesting. Um, so please uh, keep in mind that that's going to be coming up. I don't know what the solo episode will be in March. Um, I have a list of things that I've been wanting to talk about that I've been deviating from because you know AWP will pop up and suddenly I'm like oh I should talk about my experience with that. Um, but yeah so. That's coming up. Um, thank you for listening. I apologize to um, all of the listeners, like my international listeners, who really drove up my plays when all of these all of these episodes were on the We Leave Home SoundCloud. Uh, I hope that you um, I hope that you were able to carry over. Um, if not, I mean, I don't know if you will ever hear this if you're not listening, but thank you for listening. Um, everyone who is currently listening, thank you. Um, I'm amazed when I check the stats on some of these episodes of where I'm getting plays. Um, I had some in the UK and I think like Russia and maybe Indonesia, um, some in the Middle East for some of the last couple of the episodes. So I don't like, I don't know who any of y'all are. Um, I don't know how you came across my podcast, but I'm very thankful for the listens and I hope that um, I hope that you enjoy them. I hope that there's some entertainment value in these. I hope, like I said with Kendra, I hope that uh, at the least they're entertaining. Oh, I don't know. I think I may have told her this after we stopped recording. Um, but like, at the very least, I hope these podcasts are entertaining. Um, at maybe the most, I hope that they're edifying somehow or that they, you know, they challenge you and challenge the things that you've your perspectives and they help you grow in your own awareness. Um, 
I'm definitely going to continue my mini-series of uh, reading poems from writers that are being singled out and maligned by the Trump administration. Um, the, uh, February was, for the, in the States, was um, African American History Month. All right, Black History Month. I don't know what the what the actual official quote unquote official term for it is. Um, so I think maybe next for my solo episode in March, I will um, find some um, African American poets to read from. Um, maybe I'll do a couple. I don't know. I think March, I believe, is Women's Month, so I might be able to do a little double duty and find some African American women poets to read. Um, like Rita Dove or um, Claudia Rankin, I believe. I think I believe she's African American. Um, but regardless, um, again, just thank you for listening. Um, I hope that I hope that you continue to listen. Uh, if anybody would ever like to reach out to me and I don't know, just start a uh, correspondence. Uh, my email's in the description or in the, on the page bio or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from listeners. Um, yeah, whatever. It's about dinner time for me, uh, so I need to go to the store and pick up what I'm going to eat for dinner. But uh, I hope everyone has a good night or whatever time of day it is when you're listening. Uh, I hope that you can carve out some time for yourself in the upcoming week and just, you know, take a breather if you need a breather. Um, have a mini treat yourself, whatever. Just, you know, do something Do something that, that feeds a living and vibrant part of yourself and keeps it going. Uh, so, until next time, guys.